this opportunity to speak to you and share some scriptures with you from the Bible. But uh, do you realize all ever one of us sitting in here this morning have a common bond? What is our common bond? We've got a mother. And today is what? Mother's Day. So our common bond is a mother. Now, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, the last chapter, verse 31, next to the last chapter here. Proverbs chapter 31. It is the last chapter. Proverbs chapter 31. You ever had a time when you, as a young adult, had maybe a son or daughter come to you and have this talk about, you know, I'm thinking about getting married very seriously. And I have some questions I want to ask you. And they sit down and talk to you. Now, about my figure, probably about 90% of the people in America do not have this to talk because they have no idea what they're getting into in marriage, no idea to what to expect. What I do appreciate is good, a good Bible church that has a good pastor or two pastors like we do, and uh, we're, very, we're very fortunate, is uh, before they marry anybody, they want to talk to them. And it's a wise thing to do. Uh, I, have, I have been around a pastor friend who was getting ready to vote a family into the church's membership, and uh, he told me that and before church started. And uh, I told him, I said, do you know this family is not married? He said, well, they got two kids. I said, they're not married. I said, you need to talk to them. You need to talk to them and see what the, help them see what does the Bible say about the, you know, marriage. Well, you know, we thought, well, you know, men go to men and the ladies go to the moms and they give this talk. But I want you to notice in chapter 31 as we open up here, it says, what are you doing, my son? Now, I wonder who in the world, look at back chapter, verse 1. The words of King Lamel, a law or a command or a lesson that his who gave to him or taught him. Huh? His mother set the king down. Now, how much higher up could we get in authority? This is from the top. She at one time had to be the king's wife and mother. She spoke from experience. And she says, she says, what? She says, what are you doing, my son? In verse 2, she says, of my womb. She says, you're my flesh and blood. What are you doing, son, of my vows? So she had taken some vows before he was born to God. Now, it used to be a common thing in church to dedicate babies. And a lot of churches now, they just don't get into this. But we dedicated both of our children. As soon as we could get, get them into church, we went down front and we asked the pastor to pray for them and tell the church to pray for them. And we want to dedicate their life to Christ. Why? We want them to grow up loving, honoring, and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think this mother had the same desire? Yes, she did. But she also knew, being a former king's wife, his mother, that the pressures and the problems that as a king that he's going to face in marriage. So, ladies, uh, you know, before you throw rocks at us when you leave today, this was some information and advice that a mother gave her son. It wasn't a father. It was his mother. Now, on the other hand, I think those of you mothers that love your children are going to say, I'm glad she had enough guts to sit down and talk to her child about what to expect in marriage. Because marriage is supposed to be and is a very sacred thing with God. So we find out, he says, he says, she says in verse number three, she starts out with a little bit about do's and don'ts. She says, do not give your strength to women. In other words, 
uh, don't be chasing these women all over, you know, and being the man about town. She says uh, you shouldn't get involved in chasing women. Uh, I never was into chasing women. I always thought that God would bring the one that he wants you to have to you. You'll cross paths. Now, that's my favorite question when I'm visiting to people, whether I want to get to know them or they're a church member and I don't know them. I'll say, how did you all ever meet? How did you ever meet? Where did God get you to hear and heard from there? And, and here you crossed and here you met and here you fell in love and here you got married. Because in our own life, God sent us to some strange places, one all the way to San Vito, Italy, to find a son-in-law for the oldest daughter, and then all the way to Mission, Texas, at Faith Baptist Church, for our youngest daughter to find her husband. So God has a unique way of getting them together, but what they need to know is what should I be looking for in the other person that's going to be my mate. She says, do not give yourself to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. What happened to David? What happened to Solomon? In the end time, Solomon turned from God. What caused him to be turned from God? Ill advice from his mother. Evidently, she didn't have a heart-to-heart talk or it didn't, it didn't stick on him. Women. Now, does that mean all women are bad? No, no, better, no, no different than there's all men are not good. But the opposite sex, if you're courting them, they can affect you. Whenever I get the chance to talk to teens, and a lot of times going into the doctor's office, which I seem to get to do a lot here lately, there's young women there taking the blood pressure, et cetera, or giving the shots. And I want to get to know them. One of my little tricks is I, start, I take candy to them. And I begin to learn their name, and I learn a little bit about them. And then I want to ask them something. I said, uh, are you dating? Because I'll notice they don't have a ring on this. I well, yes, I'm dating. I said, so you're looking for somewhere in the future that you're going to, you want to get married. Well, yes, Mr. Woodfield, I do. I said, you know, can I say something to you and tell you something that you could remember forever that would be a help and a blessing to you? Of course, they're quick to say, oh, yes. I said, remember this. Every date is a what? Potential what? Mate. Every, and before you got married, you started with a date. Every date is a potential mate. So be careful not only who you go out with, who you accept the opportunity to go out with. Because I tell them, just like I, I tell my daughter-in-law for my oldest grandson, I said, you know, let me tell you something. I told my, my granddaughter, she's, uh, hope they, they're hoping to get married here in, in the next year. And her husband, I said, I want to tell you something that I've told Paige and I've told Sean. They need to be careful around you. I said, I've told Paige, my granddaughter, Paige, I want to tell you something about Hunter. Hunter will never, never in his marriage treat you any better than he does his own mother. So you need to watch how he treats his mother when you're around his house and in his home. You watch. Because I said, I want to tell you something. He's not going to treat you any better. And this ought to be a warning sign or a blessing to you. That you're not going to get into what later on become a mess and run your life. Verse 4, she says, it's not for kings, Olamel, it's not for kings. She stressed it twice. She says, it's not for kings. What? To drink wine. The number one thing that she come in out with, she says in verse number 5, at least they drank and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Number one, she says, don't drink. Number two, 
number one, down in verse number six, he says, Give strong drinks to the one who is perishing, and wine to those who want in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery. A lot of times it was common when people were about to die years ago, they would give them drink, a sedative to calm them down, to relax them. A lot of times now, as you're in the hospital and the nurse will say, you want to go down with me? I went to the last one I was, my father-in-law. She says, I he'll only live about 20 more minutes after at the most after I leave the room. She said, can you get the family? I said, well, that's pretty well timing to death. She says, I said, how do you do this or know this? She said, Mr. Woodfield, I'm going to have this time. I've got to give him another shot of morphine. And trust me, with his heart rate and his blood pressure, this morphine is going to relax his heart so much he's probably going to die. So she says, what? It's a sedative. A lot of people I've had the privilege of, not a privilege, but I've been there in the hospital when people have passed away. And I've seen them literally scream and try everything in the world to get out of the bed they were in and beg and plead because they were about to die. And I think I told you the one about in Italy where she kept saying, Diabolos is here. He's at the foot of my bed. And she pulled her little legs up. She's on a gurney right next to me. I could have reached over and touched her. Her daughter and son-in-law was standing there patting her hand and said, Oh, Mama, tranquilo, tranquilo, take it easy. You're all right. Everything's going to be okay. And she says, No, he's standing at the foot of my bed. And I thought in my heart, Oh, God. She's getting ready to depart her body and go out into an eternity. And it's obvious where she's headed by the way she's acting. So she says what? She says, it's all right to take the older folks or six folks that's going to die and give them a little bit of alcohol as a sedative and to help them through this. She says, but notice she says, for you as a young king... You don't mean to have be, be, be drinking a bunch of wine or be given to wine. The qualification for a deacon is a man that's not, didn't, he's a sip of wine, but he's not given to wine. In other words, alcohol does not control his life. He controls his life. And that's what she's trying to make here. Stay away from these alcoholic drinks that can ultimately, like the Bible says, like, like an adder, they can bite you. And you'll rise the next day and say, where did I get these marks all over my body? But yet, and again, it says you will, you will seek it again the next day. It's addicting. And she's dealing with it because I'm sure she's been to a lot of parties and a lot of dinners and a lot of lunchings and around a lot of alcohol. She warns him of this. She goes down on down to verse number 8. She says, open your mouth for the mute. Or those that can't speak, you speak for them. You're the king. You're the only representative that they have of any authority. She says, for the rights of all who are destitute. She says, don't forget the people are in destitute. They have nothing. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. She's encouraging him how to act as a king. And then verse number 10, she switches from alcoholism, drinking, to how this can have an effect and control over your judgment as a king, as the, 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 high, the greatest judge in the country. Then in verse 10, she switches and she says, an excellent wife, who can find? She says, who can find an excellent wife? And she starts out telling her son that she's going to give him some guidelines, what to look for and the women that he's around, that he's, we would say, courting, dating, or considering. Let's look at their lifestyle. Now, this is not his daddy giving him this advice. It's his godly mother giving him this advice. This comes from a woman, not a man. 
really this ought to be taught to men that are getting ready to enter in the age level that they're going to start seeking and start dating and seeking a spouse. This is who really this ought to be given to. But also we can learn a lesson out of it all. If this is the type of woman that she says a man ought to be looking for and it's coming from God's Word, we can definitely benefit from it and grab it and adapt to it in our life. As a woman, I taught both our daughters. They know this passage of Scripture probably by heart because this is their passage of Scripture. She says, she is far more precious than jewels. In other words, she's priceless. You can't put a price on this woman. It's impossible to put a price on this woman. Why? She says, because she can't be bought with money. You know why? She's going to get into this about why she cannot be bought with money. She goes on to say, she says, the heart of her husband trusts in her. Underline the word trust. He can trust in her. I know one of the biggest problems I faced working with young military couples. The military, regardless of what branch of the service you're in, they go what we call TAD in the Navy, TDY in the Air Force. I have no idea. The Marine Corps calls it TDY because we work together with the Marines. But I don't know what the Army calls. But it means you're going to be gone 60, 30, 60, 90 days. Or maybe like my, my one brother-in-law, he went to Greenland for a year. Unaccompanied tour without his wife. I mean, my sister couldn't go. But pastoring these young men, I was surprised at how many would come to me and say, I need to talk to you. And I said, well, what's the problem? Some of them had even been Sunday school teachers and deacons in the church. Pastor, while I was TDY, I cheated on my wife. I said, you what? Because I knew his wife. What a, what a gracious lady. She said, well, I went out with my buddies and was all out there. And I said, then you started drinking with them, didn't you? Well, yeah, you know, I, I thought being with them and I'd just have a couple and then go back to the base. I said, but a couple led to what? Two led to two more. Two more led to two more. Then the next thing you know, your guard's down. Young ladies, let me say something to you about young men that would like to date you, but immediately as you try to get in the car and goes on on a date, they want to take you somewhere where they can serve you alcohol. Why do they want to pour alcohol down you? Because alcohol breaks down your resistance. Alcohol will allow you and lead you into doing things that you would not do if you were not drinking the alcohol. So the safest thing you can do in your life, whether you're a man or a woman, young man or young lady, is what? Stay away from alcohol. Do not let it have influence over your life. Stay away from it. I say, I meet people all the time and say, well, there's nothing wrong in social drinking. The problem with social drinking is, is the majority of people can't control it. Now, I'm not saying you can't. You make up your mind. But I'm telling you, the majority of people that are social drinkers are drunks. They cannot control it. It controls them. And she warns him about this here, this here person that he's going to be looking for. She says, she does, his, she does him good. And not only does he trust her in verse 11 and verse 12, she does him good and not harm. If you have a wife that you love and your wife that loves you, she will do everything she can do to make you a success at whatever field and trade you're in. But in turn, a man ought to be doing the same for his wife. He ought to be doing everything he can to help her become a success as, her, as, her, as his wife. Listen, marriage is a two-way street. Marriage is a two-way street. And I know sometimes maybe, I know that some of you probably have experienced a bad relationship with an individual in your life, and, but this can be resolved. Uh, things happen. But if you're married or seeking to be married, 
there's a lot of things we can apply to ourselves here that if you are married, it can help your marriage be stable. Or if you're not married, you'll know who to look for as you're looking away out, in, out into the area. He says, all the days of her life. Look in verse number 13. She says, she seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She's not afraid. Now, keep in mind what we're going to learn from here. There is not a Walmart. There is not J.C. Penney's. You know, there's not a Costco. Uh, these things, there's, there's no uh, Uber there's no, you know, you buy it, I deliver it. You know, you don't even have to leave your house, pick up the phone, make your order, doorbell rings, you take it, and that's it. These things didn't exist. There was no microwaves, you know, probably no refrigerators that stayed down in the, in the basement somewhere in the cellar. My, I remember my grandparents didn't have a refrigerator. But these are the things that we can learn from here because she's telling him, she says she, she has worked, she will work with her hands. She is like, verse 14, she's like the ships of the merchants. She brings her food from afar. In other words, she will reach out. There's no door delivery. There's not even a Walmart. When we lived overseas, we didn't have these stores. The biggest store we had in town was a mom and pop's little shop that was about as big, twice the size of the restroom back here. I mean, we had nothing, but that's where you bought. Or you walked to the market. There was a daily market every day downtown. And we walked to the market, and you got all your goods every day. And they only bought a day's worth of goods. So number one, your bread was not made to last. No preservatives in the bread. All the vegetables were fresh. Women never bought vegetables and lay them on the counter at the house and sat there two or three days. So she was what? She knew it was what? She had to go out and get it and bring it in. And she was willing to do that, and she did it on a daily basis. Verse 15, she rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and the portions of her maidens. She, she rises while it's still what? Dark. She gets up. You know what Proverbs says about somebody that hinges on a bed? He says that they're folding of their hands and hinging on the bed. It says that they'll go into poverty because they're lazy. This lady's not lazy. I mean, up at daylight. I can remember my grandmother was being raised with her. I was told you just a while ago. We was up in uh, Oklahoma, and uh, we lived in a town, but wasn't a town. City limit signs was back to back on one pole. I mean, it was a little town. But she had a bunch of chickens out back, and every morning at 4:30, this rooster would crow. Every morning at 4:30. Now I don't know if he had an alarm clock or not. But he did not miss 4.30. Boom. Out of bed she went. Into the kitchen she went. The light came on in the kitchen. She said, how do I know all this? My bedroom was a little bitty room there off the side of the kitchen. And boy, she started making breakfast. Oh, then you could really you could smell coffee and bacon and pancakes and eggs and all this good stuff or biscuits and gravy. And she, her fame was she'd go in there and she'd start making pancake batter. Now, there was no, you didn't buy it in the box. She, she put all the flour and all the grease and everything. She said, the key to this, to make these pancakes so fluffy, you have to beat it. Flop, 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 400 times. I said, you're kidding me. She says, no, sir, young man. She says, every morning I count. One, two, three, four, five, six. And she said, to 400 times, she says, then they're fluffy. She loved her family. She wanted them to be special. She took pride in what she did. But notice also she didn't provide just the food for her family, but also for her maidens and servants, the ladies, young ladies that were her servants. She took care of people that she was responsible for. She says in verse number 16, she, she considers a field and buys it. 
In other words, she was wise in investments. If she had some money, she wanted to make it, to buy something and sell it where she could make some profit. She was a woman that knew that she said, look, if I can buy things and sell things and make a profit, then I can have my own money. And we will have our own money. She says, notice he says, she considers a field in verse 16 and buys it. And the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. Now, the people argue, oh, did she do it personally or what? Now, I don't know if she did it personally or she paid to have it done, but she got it done. Why did she have a vineyard? Vineyards meant money. They grew grapes. Grapes are made into wine. And wine was the big seller. Uh, after 20, over 20 years, 25 years living in, 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 in Europe, I'll tell you, you don't draw breath in Europe unless you drink wine. Now, we were really weird because we didn't drink wine. And some of you, if you've ever been in the mission field over there, you know. And they'd say, you don't drink wine. They don't drink the water. And she said, I said, I'll drink water if you have bottled water. I'm not out of your sin, not out of the spigot. But she planted the vineyard. She invested in this piece of property. Notice, she dresses herself with strength. She takes care of her own health. She says, you watch a woman that will watch her health. It means to eat right and exercise right. It makes her arms strong. There's that exercise. You say, well, brother, what do you mean back then they were interested in, in working out, you know, and, and aerobics? Evidently she did. She knew that it would make you healthy. She says in verse number 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. In other words, she's not going to buy anything or invest anything in her money or time if it doesn't what? What's a profit? It's money you've made. It's a profit. What's left over after what you bought it for and you marked up to sell it so you could make a profit? She says what? She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. She doesn't buy something she doesn't think is not going to resell at a better price. Her lamp goes not out at night. Didn't have no electricity. So what did we have at night? We had candles and we had lamps. Olive oil. You know, olive, olive, olive is the only thing that you can eat, you can use for medicine, you can put on a sore, or you can drink it, or you can burn it. You can cook with it. It's the only oil that you can, only, that you can use to cook and eat. And so she did all these things. But she wanted to make sure her lamp didn't go out. She, in other words, all of a sudden the, the, the house goes dark. Well, I guess they're working on the electric again. No, somebody's going to say, hey, where's the oil for the lamps? And she's going to go, oh, no, I didn't get no oil. See, that's a, you know, trust me, that's an easy way out. Word, the words that I, I, dis, I dislike the most in my life probably is, I forgot. Now, I know it happens. And I'm learning that real fast as I'm getting older. I forgot a lot. I forget a lot. But younger people, when you've got a home and a marriage and you've got children, can you tell your children when they say they get up in the morning and say, what do we got for breakfast? Well, i got cereal, but I don't have no milk. Well, i got milk, but I don't have no cereal. This woman was thoughtful that she would look into the future for the needs that she would have and make sure that these things that were necessities, necessities, were found in the house. Why? Because she was a provider and a lookout and a caretaker for her family. She wanted to make sure they had everything they needed. I can remember as a boy, my grandmother, she'd go in the bathroom. She'd say, here's the horse rag. Here's the towel. Don't you dare use it till you get out of that tub. She said, you get undressed, get all your clothes off, you get in there. And she says, I said, what? She says, that's a bar of soap. 
and you're going to worship it, and you're going to put it in that horse rag, and you're going to use it. You know what? Sometimes she had all she had. How many of you all ever remember lava soap? You remember lava soap? I'm telling you, half the time, that's all that woman had. Man, it's nasty and hard. But boy, she'd worship. And if you didn't wash your ears, she'd come in and put that horse rag on her finger and go into your ear. But the farther her finger went into your ear, the longer it got. And after a while, you just thought she was going like this. But why? She's interested in her family. She's looking out for the needs of her family. And I know a lot of you women and your mothers and grandmothers in here listening. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You start saying, well, I just don't need this now. What am I going to need before I can get back to the store or in a few days? We find out that she considers a field. She buys it. She plants the fruit with her own hands. She's strong in verse 17, verse 18. She's looking for a prophet, washing her oil. Verse 19, she put her hands to the, to the staff, and she says her hands hold the spindle. In other words, she's got a loom, and she starts making clothing on the loom. She makes her own clothes. Why? No Walmart. No Costco. No J.C. Penney's. No Amazon.com. You, you, don't, you can't just buy something. You go to the market and you might, but there's other women like her selling their products there. They're selling their products so they can have money for their family. She opens her hand to the poor. Now look at her attitude toward the poor. Verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor. She has a, she has a giving heart. And reaches out, of, reaches out her hand to the needy. She's, she has a tender heart. Yes, God has blessed her. She was the king's wife. But she pleaded to her son, don't turn your back on the destitute and the poor. Be a spokesperson for them. But yet her own self, if she saw people that had need, and I didn't say once, there's a difference between wants and needs. My God shall supply all my what according to his grace in heaven. In Philippians, all my, not my wants, my needs. And so she was, she was concerned about those that had needs. And they had children. She says in verse number uh, 21, She's not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household are clothed in scarlet. Now notice in verse 21 that word scarlet. Usually it's translated thick. Not expensive. It's translated as thick. Because if snow's on the ground, what's the temperature outside? Huh? See, uh, us South Texans, we don't know anything about snow. Amen? Listen. Bill Bricken has given me the weather report every day since he's been home. That poor guy has about froze to death. It's cold. It's coming. These little old flimsy light clothes we wear here in South Texas. I wear these suits I bought in South Texas. This is thanks. I when I go I go sometimes I go up north to visit and speak in churches, and they, I'll say it's 17 degrees outside. I'm going to tell you the hairs on my legs stick straight out and snap off just like that. It's so cold. But she knows it's winter's coming, and her children need to have proper dress. They need to have some thick socks and thick underwear and thick clothes because it's going to be cold. And she's concerned about all this, and they are thick. In verse 22, she makes, she makes bed coverings for herself. She can't buy. She don't purchase. So she said, well, I'll take this loom I've got, and I'll make each bed a quilt. Now, when I was a kid, the fight over was the feather quilts, or feather downs, they call them. But my grandmother always had thick quilts. My grandmother, we didn't have no heat in the house at night. And when, you, when she put you to bed, she put so many quilts on you, you couldn't roll over. I mean, and she'd take them and puck them in around you, you know. And you said, Grandma, if I get up during the night to use the bathroom, how am I going to get out of bed? Well, we learned later as a, as a missionary. We had homes, and we lived in homes in the wintertime where there was no heat. We'd heat one room. 
with a little space heater. And our kids know what it is to sleep under covers, blankets. And that's what she did for her household. She wanted to keep them warm. She wanted to protect them. And then in verse another, number 23, she says, Her husband is known in the gates. Now, the gates of the cities where the, the fathers of the city met, the wise men met, or the judges met. So he is what? Her husband was the king. She knew what it was to meet with these elders. She said, Her husband is known in the gates, and when he sits among the elders, the leaders of the land, they know about her. What she knows? She makes linen garments and sells them and delivers belts to the merchandise. She is, she is, she's got a production thing going of making garments and belts, and she's doing watch. But one thing she's watching for is her husband goes out into the community. She is seeing that he is well-dressed. Now, you'd think there'd be servants who would do that, but you know who's more interested in the king than the servants? His wife, the mother of his children. She's interested in how he looks. Nowadays, have you ever seen any of the pictures online of how people dress and go to Walmart? Is that said enough, did I say enough there? Huh? Have you seen those pictures? I mean, I, if, if, listen, my grandmother, if you leave the house, she said, where are you going? Well, I'm going to go down to Johnny's house and we're going to do it. She said, not looking like that, you're not. She said, what's your last name? I said, well, that's my last name. You ain't going down there looking like that. Oh, there you go. You had to go in. I said, well, Grandma, it's just, it's just Johnny. We're going to go down and probably ride by. I don't know. She said, no, but you're going to be at his house. His parents are there. Family's there. You're going to look presentable. Holes and pants didn't sell. They were patched. And it's what she did. She's concerned about her family. She says in verse 26, 25, strength and honor and dig- dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time, of co- at the time to come. In other words, the future. She's not worried about the future. Why? Because the thick clothing are already made. She's not worried about the future because she's got sufficient things in her home already to supply the needs for the, that, are, that are short term. The oil for the lamps, candles, food, day by day. She's not worried. She said, well, said, what, happens if, what happens if there's a big drought comes? You know, people tell me, he says, well, you know, there's hard times coming. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You know, in spite of all this stuff that's coming around, going on in the world, Ask me if I, I take a baby aspirin and go to sleep. Why? I know who's in control. I know who's in control. He's my Heavenly Father. While I'm resting, He's watching over me. And you know what's being said? Why should God and I both stay awake all night? I mean, He's doing the watching and caring. And that's the way with her. She laughs at the time to come. She says, I am not afraid of the future. Why? Because I know that I am prepared for the future and that God also will supply Verse 29, she opens her mouth with wisdom. I don't know about you, but I've, I've learned how my foot tastes like. And teaches kindness to come out on her tongue. Look how she responds to her husband, her children, and people. How does she respond to these people? I'm amazed at some Christians at how liberally good they are about giving and helping. But on the other hand, I'm shocked at some others. If you say, well, what about you just give them some money? Money? They can get a job. I'll I'll work for my money. I'm sure glad that Jesus had a tender heart, aren't you? And I think, you know, we ought to be look at what we have and be so grateful for what we have that we're willing to share a portion with other people that don't have, those that are destitute, those that are without, those that are working hard. She says, and what? She has a soft tongue. Well, listen. 
aren't you amazed at the people that call themselves Christians sometimes how sharp and curt they can get with their tongue? It, it's, it's pathetic. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She does not sit around. And listen, I used to have two sisters that lived at home. This is years ago. Both of them were pregnant. One of them's husband was one of somewhere out. The other was way out over, I think, Greenland. And they sat at home. And you know all my sisters did the whole time their husbands were gone? They watched soapbox operas. Their life revolved around. She knew every character by They knew every character by name and what each character was doing with the other character. And every day they'd be sitting on this same place with a turn of that. Oh, this back then was a little screen about that big, black and white. But they were so, and they'd, they'd be eating a meal, and they'd start talking about these characters on this soapbox opera. Not saying anything about the family. And trust, and trust me, they didn't do anything about help either. They wouldn't do anything around the house to help my mother. And nothing. It was what? Because it was always idle. Eating the bread of idleness in verse 27. He says in verse 28 now, her children. And which is going to be what? It's going to be her grandchildren that she's writing about. She's telling her son, now look, with her concerning my grandchildren, she's going to have through you. Rise up and call her what? Blessed. Blessed. Her husband also, and he what? Her husband praises her. Now men, this was really written to a man. And she's telling her young son, if you find a woman like this, you ought to honor her and you ought to praise her. Encouragement. I'm amazed when I get around men, how some of them talk about their wives. Now, thank goodness, there's not many Christian men that do this. There are a few. But when I was in the, in the ministry dealing with these GIs, they were always running their wives down. And sometimes I'd speak up and I'd say, well, Joe, why did you marry? Well, well, if you didn't love the girl, why did you marry her? Trust me, marriage out of lust doesn't last. It does not last. Marriage out of love will continue. I said, you loved her? We all love her. I said, then why are you speaking so mean about her here in front of all of us men? Well, uh, she deserves it. I said, why don't we let her come next time with you and then let her give her time equal time about what she thinks about you and what you do. You know, well, I said, hey, brother, you're supposed to be a Christian. And the Bible tells us we need to be, we need, it says, men, I know, we tell women, submit to your husband. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's, let's move down here a little ways. Men, do what? No, it doesn't say submit to your wife. No, no, it doesn't. But it does say what? Men, love your wife. Love your wife. If you want your life, your marriage to work, and your family to, to work, you need to love your wife. And she's telling her son. You don't need to be marrying her for her looks or who she knows or how thrilled she can make you feel. You need to what? You need to praise her and you need to love her because if, if, if you will just praise her, and it's already said that her children call her blessed, they're praising her. Listen, if a child will brag on a, a mother or a grandmother or a great-grandmother, I've learned this, it's like throwing them a bone. One time my dad, he was divorced, he's he seeing a woman and and I'm, my grandfolks were raising us three boys, and I was the youngest one. The two older ones, they didn't want to go. My dad said, you're going to go. So we went. We went to her house, had a meal, 
And through this meal, I said some things I probably shouldn't have said. So the next week came by, and my dad says, we're going back over Sunday and have a meal. Oh, man. And my grandmother says, Eddie, I need to talk to you before you leave. And my dad's standing there, and I said, well, you need to talk to me. Well, your dad wants me to talk to you. And I thought, my dad's never told me he wanted you to talk to me. My dad, has, he does real good at talking for himself. She said, no, he wants me to talk to you. I said, well, about what? She said, Eddie, when you go down to this lady's house, and she says, last week when she brought out the dessert, she had pie. I said, yeah. She says, and she talked about how hard she had worked on this pie and how great that her pies were. And all you did was sit there and run her down and tell her how good her, your grandmother's pies were and better. And that nobody could make a pie better as good as my grandmother. That comes out of the heart of a little boy. But that's not very wise, is it? It doesn't praise them. She said, Eddie, this may be the man that your daddy marries. And I go, a lady, I mean, excuse me. This may be the lady your daddy marries. And I go, oh, no. But anyway, uh, praise and love and honor and respect is what she's telling her son that he needs to give his wife. So we need to listen to this. If you, if you, want, if you want a good home and a happy home and a blessed home, learn to praise your wife. And tell your children to honor their mother. Don't speak negative. I never allowed my children to say anything negative about my wife, their mother. Man, I'd be on them like we sit back home. I'd be on them like a chicken on a June bug, man. I'd say, whoa, whoa, what come out of your mouth? You don't say those things to nobody, let alone your mother. And you do not, you do not order your mother around. Never did I allow my children to order my wife around. She's your mother, not your slave. And you need to honor and love and respect her because that's what the Bible tells us to do. So we find as we come down here, he says, he says in verse 29, Many women have done excellent. Excellent. They have done excellent. But you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Now that's a touchy little verse there. One time I, I was in a meeting and a guy spoke up and he got himself in a lot of trouble. He said, he was a speaker. Wasn't too sharp. Anyway, he said, well, he said, I'm not against cosmetics like a lot of these preachers are. Now, this is back when women, if they, if they use hardly any cosmetic, boy, they, they, caught, they got blasted. He said, I think women are, uh, women, he said, I, he says, you know, I think women ought to be able to use a little bit of cosmetic because every old bar needs a little paint. Boy, did he get himself in trouble. And did he deserve to get himself in trouble. You know, and I purposely looked at his wife before she left. And you know what? She used cosmetics. There's nothing wrong with using cosmetics. There's a lot wrong if you overdo it. If you go too far, it's like eating. If you eat too much, you can cause it. It's a negative effect. But he says right here, she says, beauty or charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But most men, they're looking for some woman that can charm them. Are they looking for some woman that can want? It's beautiful. Beautiful. I don't know why this takes place, but I've noticed in my own life, I don't know how some of the ugliest men I've ever met have the most pretty wife. Now, I'm not through. I've never met so many ugly women that had handsome-looking husbands. So I don't know how that works, and I don't dare want to touch it. Because I know one thing. Precious in the sight of every man ought to be his wife. He ought to, he ought to commend her about being, uh, being the love of his heart. And somebody said, well, you didn't win no beauty contest. Well, you didn't win Mr. America either, you know. Are we marrying for looks? What happens when we marry for looks and marry for money? It doesn't last. It doesn't last. And she's not out 
with the charm and the beauty. I'm sure she takes care of herself. But a woman who fears the who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's the woman that the number one thing in this woman's life that you ought to be looking for, my son, is that she loves God. She loves and honors God. She loves God more than she loves you. Listen, I love God more than I do my wife, but my wife will also tell you that Eddie will tell me, I expect her to love God more than she does me. But I also know this, if she loves God, she's going to love me. We need to put God first in our life. Because God is the one is what? Has putting us together, brought us together, united us in marriage, had us to start a home, and we find out what? We need to realize that she is a gift from God to us. And we hope that we were a gift from God to her. Amen. As men, we ought to be. But he said, but a woman that fears the Lord, in verse 31, and we're through. He says, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. In other words, when the children begin to praise their mother, you ought to encourage them to continue to praise their mother. You ought to encourage them to praise their mother. I mean, who took care of us the first few months and years of our life? I guarantee you that there's very few daddies that put the time and effort into children, little guys, that the mother has. Mom, that's why, what do you think? Little kids, they'll say, come to daddy, and they'll walk right on by and go get a dad and get to their mother. And, mom, mom, I've done my own children. I said, come to me, sure. No, mom, 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 mom. Wow, that, that really hurts my pride. No. It's just that they've become so attached to their mother because she's been so kind and loving and patient and tender and looking out and after them. They know in their heart who's the number one person in their life. Now, I would like to say if she wasn't there, and normally I could, especially if I bribed them, they'd come to me. Amen? Candy always works. No, but listen, I thank the Lord for children that love their mother. They need to. Husbands, we need to encourage our children to love their mother. Don't ever let them mistreat your mother, their mother. So as we close, he says, let her works praise her in the gates, and we'll close her this morning. You know what it says? Let her works praise her. Let what she does speak for her, but it praises her. You know what? People ought to be able to say, you know, if you want to find out how you ought to act as a woman when you get married, go to your mother and ask her. Ask your mother what you should look at for in a man. Men, you need to do the same thing because that's what happened right here. King LaMail went to his mother and she said, I want to give you some advice. First of all, she handed out some advice dealing especially with alcohol. And then what? Getting your heart moved and taken away from what your job is, judging and taking care of people, speaking for the the destitute. Then she says, here's what you can look into a woman, and you should find a man. You need to be looking that way, too. Don't date a girl if she's self-centered. You watch how she treats her mother. I told told, uh, this boy that's dating my granddaughter, I said, you know, I've told her, and I'll tell you to your face. We was always sitting at the table. I said, I've told her she'll, you'll never treat her better than you treat your own mother. Of course, we know her, his mother also. But I said, but let me tell you this also. You ought to watch Paige. That's my granddaughter. Paige is not going to treat you any better than she does her mother or her father either. And if she's disrespectful to them and unkind and inconsiderate, your alarm clock ought to go off of a warning. Thank God this morning. For good mothers, good grandmothers, good great-grandmothers. Mothers, grandmothers that know, I know you love your family and you ought to. Because the first institution God ordained in the Bible was the home. But that shows how you've been a good parent around your children. 
And your children will say, my mom, and boy, they'll be like me with my grandma's pie. It'll get you in trouble. But you'll brag on them. There ain't nobody better than they are. And those of you that's been good mothers, are being good mothers, grandmothers and great-grandmothers, continue to do so. But listen, ladies, let me put a plug in here as I close. This was a woman giving advice to a man. Ladies, talk to your sons. Grandmas, talk to your grandsons. Great-grandmas, talk to your great-grandsons and tell them how they ought to behave themselves and what they should look for in a godly woman that God is going to give them to be the mother of their children. Let's bow our heads. Father, help us to take the advice and the wisdom of the Scriptures and apply it to our life. And may we thank you this morning for all the godly mothers that are here and that have labored hard and worked hard, gone without sleep, worked when they didn't feel like working, and worked when they were sick, and stayed ready and available to their children and their husband when they were sick. Father, they've done a lot, and they deserve credit. And may we honor them and praise them, not just today for Mother's Day, but all the time. And may we teach our children to do so by doing it ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.